Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back, everybody. It is the first PAGA DFS first look show of the calendar year. And what an exciting year it is we have in front of us. I'm joined by Jeff Ulrich again on this awesome PGA DFS first look show. If this is your first time joining us here on the show, thanks so much. Don't forget to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel here to make sure you know every time we go live. And Jeff, what an amazing year we have in front of us. Basically, they the the fans here have been missing my ugly mug for four weeks, but now they're going to get you and I for about 48 straight weeks with a lot of tournaments, the Olympics, the Ryder Cup. We got them all coming up this year, so... Yeah. What are you most excited about? Just seeing Patrick Cantley win a major finally? <laughs> Maybe, man. I mean, I'd be, I'd be okay with that. Look, Cantley was good to me late last year on him at the Zozo. So, no, it's, it is jam-packed this year. It, it's going to be good. I mean, you got the regular schedule back in. You know, starting with the Tournament of Champions just feels like a fresh start. But, you, yeah, I, like I even forgot the Olympics were on this year, man, like the Ryder Cup. You know, those are just like things that are like added to the regular schedule. I'm, I'm excited to get back to Augusta in April. That's probably what I'm most looking forward to. It just feels, I know we just had the Masters. It, it really wasn't, it just didn't feel the same for me. So I, I'm mostly excited just to get back to the Masters in April. I think that's going to be like a really good time. You know, more people have vaccines and stuff and like. You know, the Maybe we'll even get fans. So <laughs> I, I think that, yeah, we might even get fans. So I, I'm more, I'm excited to get back to Augusta in April, but uh, this whole year should be awesome for golf golf betting exploding and, and DFS side always good. So yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited to be back, man. Me too. Poised for certainly the biggest in uh, best PGA DFS year we have had yet. And if you haven't tried us out on the awesome plus side, we have got an awesome promo going on for you. It's called 2021. That's the promo code you're going to use. And you're going to get 21 days of awesome plus for just $20. And listen, if you want to join us for the year, because you already know how good our stuff is and what we provide, Use code HAPPY. You're going to get 20% off your Osmo Plus yearly pass. So check that out. Some great promos we have going on to start off the golf year. And we are going to talk about some of those majors, as you mentioned. Uh, Augusta, you're most excited for in April. But before we do, I want to go into a little bit of a uh, review of last year. Just quickly, some information that I put together. Some winners. We're going to flash a winner's graphic here. You know, I think there's, what, 32 or something tournaments. It started off with the Tournament of Champions last year and Justin Thomas winning. Come in, he was 11,200 on DraftKings, 8-1. to one. Kind of just flashing on your screen. But, Jeff, I want to turn over to you. Of all the winners, taking out Robert Streb and Jim Herman, who was the most surprising to you? Oh, that's a that's a tough call. Um, man, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to think about that one for a sec. 
I was I was thinking you were going to say Marty Laird, but then I thought, you know, that was kind of a course history week. Maybe that wasn't yeah. that far out Laird of left is, field. Oh, know, okay, actually, you know what? No, it's, sorry, I missed this one. It's Nick Taylor for me at Pebble Beach, I think. Oh, yeah. Pebble Beach does have, like, a lot of weird winners associated with it, like DA points one, but still – just to see Nick Taylor kind of come out of nowhere and like not even just win, but he kind of like blew away the field. Yeah, I, that that's gonna stick out the most for me. I kind of I kind of missed him in the first glance over there. I was gonna say Laird. Laird is definitely up there too, and that was such an upset win, upsetting for me because I was on Matt Wolf. But uh, me too, yeah, yeah, I would say of that group, Nick Taylor stands out the most. For me, it was. Jason Kokrak, and only because he had been a perennial, like, Tony Finau guy, top five, top ten, couldn't break through in the win, and it was against such a good field. You know, even Andrew Landry at the Amex, the Desert Classic, I mean, that wasn't that good of a field. There's been winners like Adam Long there before. So, yeah, for me, it was Jason Kokrak, um, really just interesting winner. Now, maybe a little bit more interesting stats to go over is the actual ones. This second graphic I have, which tells us maybe a little bit more, eight golfers that were priced over 10,000 one. So about 24%. Then another eight, one from 9,000 to 9,999. So just about half of the field, half of the winners came from the top 10 priced on DraftKings, but also eight golfers below 6K. So Jeff, you know what that tells me? Golf is just such a variable game. You want to always go with the best players, but look, almost a quarter of the tournaments were won by guys that were likely on nobody's radar. Yeah, exactly. Um, especially with the weaker field events, right? I mean, uh, you know, for the majors, obviously, play it a little bit different, but the weaker field events, I mean, there's reasons we do talk about guys who are, you know, under 8K, under 7K a little bit. Um, they have legit shots of winning. I mean, that, that's what makes golf so great, though, right? Especially from an odds perspective. That's why we dig deep in, into, into guys with longer odds. I mean, yeah, yeah maybe a hundred to one guy isn't like that likely to win, but if we're, if we're looking at the odds and you think, well, this guy should be 50 to one, not a hundred to one still makes him a good value bet. Right. So stuff like that, it still makes him a good value playing DFS. That's why we look at this. Quite frankly, that's why golf is awesome to, for DFS it really is. at odds. I mean, it's, you get these long shot winners and when you, when you actually, you know, get through the right, uh, end up on the right targets, it's, it's, fun it's it's awesome right so you feel smart too jason which is uh you know i I like feeling smart (laughs) it's like i was explaining this yeah i was explaining this to somebody the other day it's like we're the weatherman right if we get it right 70 percent of the time and we put a little flair with it we're probably beating the average you know uh especially when it comes to golf in that regard now quick little dfs review in our uh, third which is kind of just a couple of uh notes that i found First off, one of the reasons why I believe there is still an edge in PGA DFS, this is the main reason. The average finish for the highest-owned golfer in the slate was 27th place with an average ownership of also 27%. Weird that they both ended up on 27. But that goes to show that, hey, I mean, the highest-owned guy in the slate, is really, he's not even coming in the top 10 on average. That says there's still a little bit of an edge to me. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, that that's actually kind of interesting. I mean, obviously with – you know, the, the most owned golfer, it's not always going to be like the most expensive golfer or anything like that. It's sometimes you get 8K guys, 7K guys will be really high owned, but that's still pretty interesting. I mean, 27th place, ownership of 27%. I mean, um, it, it makes a little bit of a case, you know, you should be fading the chalk probably. I mean, uh, in, in, in some spots, it's going to be like week to week dependent, but that's that's another reason why, you know, things like the ownership tool at Osimo and, and stuff like that are really important. So, Yep. Um, you know, yeah, it's, it's an interesting stat you got up there too. Like five times out of 31 events, the winner was the most owned. It's actually not a bad hit rate. No, actually pretty decent. 
Yeah, it, it is. So, I mean, it, 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 that gives a little bit, again, I, there's, it's a good argument for like, sometimes it's good chalk, sometimes it's bad chalk. I mean, yep. you know, and that, that's kind of what we're trying to decipher every week, right? So yeah, interesting stats there, average ownership for player in top 10 and 9.7. So again, it's not always these, um, it's not always the most chalky plays. I would say golf of, of all the sports um, probably is, is the most, uh, you know, I, I don't want to say you should be fading the chalk every week, but it probably lends itself towards that strategy more than others. That's, you know, in, in things like football, basketball, we got things like opportunity coaches usage and stuff like that. Golf it's everyone's out there on their own. And the skill set is pretty close to these guys. So you can kind of see why these stats play out. I would say it was actually a decent year for the chalk with, uh, with five players uh, out of 31, 31 for the most hitting. Like that's pretty yeah. high rate. Absolutely. Totally, totally agree. And now maybe a little bit more about the golfers information. Everybody always, you know, tries to figure out what is the winning formula on the PGA tour. Obviously distance has taken over the game and it's all about how far you can hit it. Right. Bryson DeChambeau totally transformed his body so that he could hit it 350 plus yards. But in reality, the average winner, their strokes gained, it was number three. The average winner strokes gained first. Number one was putting. I guess that is not too much of a surprise. And Jeff, I'll throw it right back to you. Does it surprise you that the highest amount of strokes gained for winners came from putting? For me, it's not because you've got to putt well to win most of the time. Yeah, I, it would have been that or approach, I would have guessed. Uh, and yeah, approach was second. second so yeah. Very uh, close to each not other. Not shocking. Yeah. Obviously, tee to green, you know, different metric. Kind of, you're, you're including different... Yeah, it, it's obviously inclusive. So yep. of the three sort of, or the four separate ones, yeah, definitely uh, I would have suggested, you know, probably off the tee would have been lowest. Actually, around the green is lowest. So that's yep. interesting. Off the tee may be becoming a bit more of a, a factor with so many guys just dominating in that area. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it would have been between putting and approach for me. No, I'm not overly shocked. I think it also speaks to some of the, the PGA venues that we get to see. Like there are weeks where, it's just not overly challenging for the players from a tee to green perspective where it becomes more of a putting contest. So just naturally, like the guys who just heat up with the putters are, are going to win. Right. So yeah, no, that's uh, that's pretty much how I thought it would have played out. I, might, I wouldn't have been shocked if approaches were a little bit higher than putting, but yeah, that's uh, like I said, I think with how the, the venues are on tour, uh, it makes sense. And then we got guys like Kevin Na who lose strokes tee to green and still win an event because uh, they. Yeah, well, I mean, and that, that's strokes. that's what skews this, right? I mean, you know? guys like Patrick Reed has done that too, right? Dude, I mean, absolutely. he almost that at this event last year. I think he lost strokes on approach, gained like nine putting, and probably should have won because I think he had like a ten footer, if I remember correctly. But uh, yep. To kind of coughed it up there to Justin Thomas here at this tournament last year, which actually brings me into our second topic in a nice segue into the 2021 major preview. And listen, I know we've got uh, a good event here this week, the Tournament of Champions. In fact, I got my swag on that you can kind of see depending on how I sit. It's a course, uh, course and tournament near and dear to my heart. I went out there uh, three years ago now and it was great. But before we get into all that fun and talk about how we can win 200K this week, I'm going to go over our major preview. Since odds are out for all four majors, there are some opportunities to get some good value even now. Also, be sure to check out Odds Shopper. This is where you're going to be able to find this stuff once the golf season gets going. You'll be able to compare the odds right on one screen from all of the sportsbooks that offer it. So be sure to check that out, of course. So we're going to start off with the first one at Augusta. And I my prediction for last year is the same one for this year. It's Justin Thomas. I really think he is poised to win at Augusta. His starts continued to get better, capped off with the top five this year. 
I think we're also going to see the course play more normal come April this year. We're not going to get a 20 under winner in Dustin Johnson. We're going to get a fast golf course. We're going to get a typical event, which is going to push, I would think, guys like Sung J.M. and Abraham Answer, Dylan Fratelli, maybe down the list a little bit. Going for that, you know, going for a little bit more of a guy that's been there a couple of times and seen this event. So Justin Thomas is my guy. He's my first pick to win the Masters. Does Justin Johnson repeat in your eyes, or do you got somebody else that you have your eye on? I mean, it wouldn't shock me if Dustin Johnson repeated. Um, I'm I'm not going to pick him. Uh, Again, I do agree it'll be a little bit faster, a little bit different. It's always tough for, for the defending champ. You know, Dustin's going to be coming in first time as a defending champ at the Masters, the dinner and stuff like that, you know. Oh, yeah, it's got it all. Planning, so um, it, uh, there's no way I'm taking Dustin to plus 650, plus yeah. 600, whatever he's at, right? So um, I don't mind the Justin Thomas call at all. I think from an odds perspective, the guy I'm most interested at the top right now is your boy, your new boy, uh, Jason, Patrick Cantlay, plus 2,500. I like those odds, man. This guy's been dealing around the greens. Like he's, he's an around the green wizard. Now you put that together with an approach game that can fire with the best. Um, we've seen him go nuts at this course before, you know, he's in the lead a couple of years ago on a Sunday. He's got that experience. I like Patrick Antley at those odds. I like him a lot at those odds, almost double Xander. Yeah. Give me that. Um, I also throw my boy Harris English has a bit of a long shot there for the masters plus 6,600. It's, you know, we always got to talk about a few. I always got to talk about a long shot or two. I, I think those are good odds for Harris English. He's got a, a really nice all-around game too. Uh, but Cantlay right now, that's the guy my money's probably going on for Augusta early in the season. It's funny you say Cantlay um, because the next major that is going to be yeah, held, yeah, going to be held like maybe four hours from Augusta by by car, go just – Go right in east from Atlanta, hit 95 in Savannah, go up about two hours, three hours to Kiwa Island. And that's where you're going to find the PGA Championship. And that's mine that I got Patrick Cantley for. I just think that his game translates better into a PGA Championship. We've seen him come in the top five twice at a PGA Championship now, actually. So I think he's, it seems like you and I are both on the same wavelength that we are ready for Cantley to take that next step as a major winner. We know he's got the accolades, obviously, coming out of college. We've seen him win a couple of tournaments now, last couple of years. So I'm ready. Cantlay is going to win the PGA. So if Cantlay is winning the Masters, he's not going to win back-to-back, <laughs> is he? <laughs> I probably shouldn't take him to win two majors in a row. Um, I don't disagree, though. I mean, look, you know, we're obviously trying to time players, and, and we obviously <laughs> like the upside he's shown. It could happen here. It wouldn't shock me if, you know, maybe uh, maybe JT just blows the doors off at the Masters and then Cantley comes in here and, and kind of grabs his first major. Wouldn't shock me at all. So I'm not I'm, I'm completely down with that call. Um, I do think the PGA is, is a decent spot for, you know, a, a player of that variety. So, you know, if I was going with uh, with a um, uh, like a big name up top, Probably lean Rory here. Obviously, he's won Kiowa Island before. Pitai setups, uh, you know, yep. pr- pretty good in his wheelhouse. I really don't mind Rory at plus twelve hundred. You got to buy in a little bit. That you know, this is he's going to show a little bit of a turnaround. Not that he really played that bad last year. He just never really got it, got a finish. But you know, plus twelve hundred odds for Rory aren't exactly terrible. I think if I was going mid tier, and and this is probably where you dabble more in futures, uh, kind of like Daniel Berger. I kind of like Daniel Berger, um, you know, a bit of a windy venue, uh, a, a Pete Dye course. 
you know, um, we've seen him do okay in, in, in venues, uh, you know, either Pete Dye-ish or just, but, or sorry, created by Pete Dye. So um, I, I think plus 3,300 for Daniel Berger at, at uh, Keough Island, it, it, it's, it's a little bit enticing. Um, I, I'm excited for this venue, I have to say. Uh, of all the venues, like I'm not, you know, Torrey Pines, whatever. I'm not actually that excited for because because we see it all the time. And I think it's kind of a straightforward venue. I'm yep. excited for this Kiowa venue island, man. It it's open. Um, it's it's in the same area as the Masters. I I think you're going to see a, a really interesting event at the PGA this year. So uh, I think it could like help some of these guys that maybe just don't aren't necessarily bombers. Uh, um, you know that the. I just think it's going to be a competitive event, kind of like we saw the last PGA where more cow took it, but I kind of like burger um, plus 33. That was the first thing that popped out. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I looked at the uh, PGA, PGA odds this morning. And, and I think you mentioned it's so funny how we see Augusta every year, right? And we could see it every week if we could. But then we throw in Torrey Pines, which in all respect is a great golf course. It's a municipal course. It's the U.S. Open venue this year, and I'm not terribly excited for it. You know, granted, it, it is perked yeah. up from what we get at the Farmers. Um, but I think, as you mentioned, straightforward course. We've seen Jason Day win it a couple of times. John Rahm win it uh, at the Farmers. It, not the U.S. Open, just the Farmers. So that lends me to believe that Bryson DeChambeau is going to defend his his title there. We've seen Brooks Kepka do it, um, obviously, very recently before Bryson won this year. So I think Bryson wins again. I think the USGA setup is literally tailored to his game now. So I definitely agree. Uh, he's going to have a good shot. Um, I, I, you know, th- this is a good, good venue for Bryson, man. Uh, long straight par fours. He just bomb it out there. He's in the rough. Like we saw, it's, it's no big deal. Cause he's so far out. Um, you know, we've said, we've, we've, and we've seen guys at Tory like that, like Tony Fino does this every year and he gets himself in contention. Bryson is basically just like a better version of Tony Finau from the perspective of he, he, he can putt a little bit better. He hits it a little bit further now on a consistent basis. So yeah, I could see that. Uh, I think plus 1400 is actually pretty, pretty damn good odds for Bryson too. Um, because I, I think at the, the U S open, you should almost be betting Bryson every year. Yeah. We'll say this. this is, this is, I love Matt Wolf a plus 5,000 for this event too. Let's okay. not forget Matt Wolf was runner up at the U S open. Also a good Taylor uh, Taylor game, you know West Coast guy. I I really like these odds on Matt Wolf. I guarantee you, I will have some Matt Wolf futures exposure on the U.S. Open, uh, probably starting this week. To be honest, um, I'm, I'm really bullish on Matt Wolf winning a major like soon ish, sooner than people think. I mean, he almost won one last year, so um, I love this spot for Matt Wolf. I think these odds are, I think they're the best futures odds you can invest in right now from a perspective of not the top Investing. players. So yeah, that's, I that's think, fun. I think he could be cut in half by the time this tournament yeah, absolutely. Comes absolutely. easily at, at 25 to one. So we're going to wind up our major uh, preview coverage with the open championship. And there's only one name that we have been mentioned in these first three tournaments that I believe is ready to win a major. And likely if he does win this open championship likely becomes the number one player in the world sometime thereafter, it's John Rom. 
Uh, just signed with Callaway, obviously. We've seen him win the Irish Open twice now in, in pretty dominant fashion. So, obviously, link style is key. Is his game can convert to that. 12 to 1 odds. It's the same odds as Bryson for the U.S. Open. I actually don't think it's that bad. I think if he comes in hot, they'll end up being 7 or 8 to 1 as, as the odds favorite. So, John Rahm wins the Open Championship for me this year. I think he's ready to take that step, and I think it's a good venue for him. I, I mean, this is no disagreement for, for me. Um, you know, John Rahm, I've, as a player, I've, you know, I, a couple of years ago, yes, me about John Rahm, it would have been like, I've, he's, he's not getting good enough value at the majors. He's not ready. I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't subscribe to that argument anymore. I, I think you've seen a bit more maturity from him, you know, handling some of these tougher venues like Memorial so well, uh, challenging and beating Dustin Johnson in a big event last year. Like, I think that's huge. Yeah. I, John Rahm's winning a major soon. Like there's just no doubt in my mind. Um, this would be a good spot. He could easily win the U.S. Open too. It's kind of like the the Cantlay thing. I mean, if Rom won here or the U.S. Open or the the Open Championship, neither would shock me. Um, mm. I, I like those odds too. Like I'd rather take him than Rory or Brooks here for sure at these odds. I think I, this is a, a better spot for Rom. So um, I honestly, I don't really. The, the Open is such. It, it's it can be such a crazy event that often I, I don't get as many futures down on here. If I was going to go down. Uh, to a long shot, I, I'd be looking at guys like, you know, eight, 80 to one or something like that. Like I might take a look at like an Alex Norin or like uh, you Abraham know, answer. He's probably down at like 40 to one, you know, yeah, well, he's 80 to one. Um, so, um, you know, something like that. Right. So that that's kind of how I view the open. Um, I don't mind dabbling in, in some longer shots there just because it can be such a wild event. Um, and look, I mean, Lowry won this at plus 70 to one last time we had an open. So like yep. these guys are in play like a burn Wiesberger at 125 to one, I think is actually kind of interesting, you know, um, guys like that. So yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much with you on Ron. That was the name I was going to bring up too. Um, you know, from the mid tier Tyrell Hatton, eh, good. I don't mind that plus 33 to one. I think he's in the same kind of class as burger. So if I like burger at the PGA, I definitely don't mind a, a Tyrell Hatton bet there. Um, but you know, otherwise, uh, the, the open is one, you know, I might dabble in a few long shots and then, uh, yeah, maybe just pound raw and we'll see how, how everything's going by the time we get there. But those odds could be, uh, could be diced up too. You might, you know, 1400 to one, like I said, or sorry, plus 1400, um, not, uh, not, not terrible right now. No. And, and our chat brings up a name that would be, if he were to win one, um, would be the first country, uh, first person from Japan to win a major, and it's Hideki right. Matsuyama. And I asked my my friend who follows golf, um, you know, pretty recently, uh, who would win a major first? I asked him last year, before Bryson went through the transformation, who would win first, Bryson or Hideki? And I thought it was a good question. Both very similar in age, had similar games, not so much anymore, obviously. Uh, and Bryson obviously took away. But is Hideki, he's going to get his putting down before he wins a major, in my opinion. I, I don't. I don't think his ball striking is good enough to carry him in a major bottom line. And I don't think he makes the putts when he needs to. Yeah. Maybe he gets it for one week and we get a major winner in Hideki because he's got the game for it. His short game is just not elite enough in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, his short game definitely has, it was pretty good towards the end of last year. You're right though about the putting. I mean, you know, the, the timely putting for Hideki um, just to, you know, the throwing in the three putts and, He's very, very consistent tee to green, but you're right. He, he, he doesn't like kind of peak enough uh, to just uh, get, get by like kind of like Justin Thomas does where he just kind of goes off the rail off the charts with a, how good his tee to green game is. And sometimes he'll lose strokes, putting Justin Thomas and still win. Right. Hideki just doesn't maybe have that final gear. So yeah, 
Hideki, I still feel like has a shot to kind of take that step and maybe just have that like little peak where he, he ends up uh, getting some perfect timing down and, and, and ending up with a major at some point. But it is kind of looking like he's, he's going to be one of those players who just kind of is very, very consistent. Maybe he grabs a major later in his career or something like that. And, and maybe he does have one of those peaks, but I'm not penciling him in right now for, for a major this year. You know, if, if he starts off really well here, maybe he wins this week or something, you know, I'll change, I'll definitely change my tune pretty quickly. Um, but um you know, for right now, yeah, I would say he's just he's just below those guys, uh, most of the guys we've mentioned. Um, you know, I, I, I would take Cantley over Berger or him to grab a major right now before him because I just think that all around, um, they're just better all around players when you bring in all facets of the game. And, and they're, they're more likely to spike for a week at a major than Hideki right now. So, yep. Um, I pretty much agree with everything. And it's a great segue into this week talking about Hideki because he's actually three for three here and coming inside the top 10. He's got a good record there. Yeah, he does. And he's got some pretty good odds. So obviously I just mentioned at the top of this about odd shopper, but I'll tell you a little bit more about it in case you don't know. Listen, don't make a bet without shopping for the best odds first. That's pretty obvious, right? Well, betting lines change by the minute and can vary greatly depending on which book you are using. That's why it's important to use Osmos Odd Shopper to find the best line available on the game or golfer in this matter. You are betting on and give you uh, the edge that you need to beat the house. Head on over to oddshopper.osmo.com where we compile the best bets available for every golfer or game updated in real time. Sign up for free to track your bets and receive alerts when the lines move. So check that out. Awesome tool. Now let's go on to the tournament of champions, which century has become the title sponsor now for a couple of years. And I think they're signed on through 2026. They've got some cool things that they do at the event. Nothing that we will see here. Uh, unless of course you're going, they've got some cool little areas and lounges that they set up. Um, but it's been held in Maui now for quite some time. A great, really a great thing for players to go and start their year off of. Now, when I went to the event, all the players stay at the Sheridan Four Seasons, which is like right near the course. So if you want to shell out the pretty penny to go stay with the players, you certainly can uh, and party with the players all week. I'll never forget, Jeff, I'm walking uh, down to the Sheridan uh, with my wife and walking next to me with his mother at the time, a young 22-year-old Looked like he was 17, Cameron Smith, holding a 12-pack of White Claws at the time, heading back to his room to go party with whoever he was doing. But uh, honestly, a great start to the year. And it's primetime viewing for us. So that's a really cool experience if you do like watching golf. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, these, these, I always forget it, too. You always forget it. It's, I, lo- I like these tournaments. You, you know, you're a little bit chilly in your winter, but you can turn it on in the evening. And it's like, you see this nice tropical venue. Makes you just feel like a little bit warmer. All right. You're like, oh, hey, it's, this is just around the corner. You know, only a few months left, at least yeah. for me. I know it's like warm all the time where you live, but for so, me, that's how I, I feel when I watch these events. So, yeah, I don't get these, the homeback whales though. So I'd that's, rather that's take it. Yeah, it's, it's still, uh, it's cool wherever you are because it's Hawaii. Hawaii is awesome. But um, yeah, I, I like it. It's a good way to kick it off. Primetime golf is always cool. So yeah, man. Um, I, I like these first two events. It's, it's become, uh, you know, I, I didn't really like this event when I first started doing PGA DFS because it's, it's, it is a smaller field and, and the course is, you know, it's a, I don't want to say it's straightforward, but it's a bit of a birdie fest, but they, they, they toughened up the course a bit. Uh, it was, it was a really interesting event last year, quite frankly. So I'm pretty excited for this one. I loved the changes they made to Kapalua Plantation course. And as we uh, move on to our next topic, a great segue. There's two courses here on the on Kapalua uh, Resort. They play at the Plantation course. And there was a huge 
renovations done by the Corey and Crenshaw team in the late 2019 for the 2020 version of this tournament. And it made significant changes and helped to the scoring average. I mean, typically we got a minus 20 winner. Last year's winner was in the mid-teens. Really competitive event. The scoring average, uh, the scoring DFS-wise, was 120 for the top guy in Justin Thomas to 40 on Martin Laird and the low guy. But if we throw out Martin Laird, the next guy ended up with about 49 and a half, so close to 50. Only a 70-point differential between the entire field. I like that. It means you can get away with not having the winner in your lineup. Um, and definitely toughened up the golf course, especially the first three holes, Jeff. They total earned 3% of the total drafting scoring. So very hard first three holes. It's a par 73, 7,600 yards. Fairways, easy, easy to hit. Almost 76% of the fairways last year. A lot of three woods off the tee um, in non-par fives, but on the 18th hole in the par five, we'll have the longest drives of the year. A almost 700-yard hole that is reachable into it plays straight downhill. It's a really, really cool hole. If you want to see a picture of it, head over to my first cut article. Uh, I threw a picture that I took a couple of years ago in there. Really, really fun. Um, We've got a couple of other good stats, Jeff. Uh, Greens and regulation, ridiculously easy to hit as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I love the changes they made, too. Like I said, it just just felt like a, a way better event last year like it, there wasn't a guarantee like oh if your guys isn't birdie like for the first seven holes you're done the first three holes were tough i think they even lengthened the last hole didn't they jason they, they did they like they yeah, lengthened the third it hole, guys, like six holes of it. like it's reachable but you have to mash your drive now to reach it too like you have to absolutely mash two shots whereas before it was like yeah you just get it out there and you could probably roll your three wood up like even guys like kuchar could do that but now it's it's like almost 700 yards Awesome. I, I love the changes, man. Yeah, it's it's hard to hit fairways, or no, sorry, really easy to hit fairways. Excuse right. me, like almost at, like the 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 fields averaging over seventy yep. percent. Um, the one thing I, I I did notice, and again, I'm not sure if this was more to the changes or if it was more a historic thing, because uh, you know, obviously things change, but you know, the scrambling here it, it's a little bit tough. So, um, you know, it's a little bit lesser than than what you'd see at an average tour event. You know, the field scrambles at a little bit lower rate. So. The greens are easy to hit. They're very big greens. It's Huge. undulating, but um, you know, if you miss it, it's not necessarily like the easiest up and down. There's a little bit of penalty areas as well involved on some of the holes. So, um, you know, again, again, like the, the par fives aren't necessarily automatic up and down. So good scrambling uh, can play here as well. Um, you know, we saw that with guys like Reed, who, who just was, was great around the greens and putting uh, JT, uh, you know, has become kind of an expert scrambler. So is, so is Xander actually, quite frankly. So, um, you know, we saw that last year, but you know, you still have to hit the greens as much as possible. Cause when you do miss it, it is kind of a tougher up and down in a lot of spots. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta have the game, uh, around the green, if not, cause that's certainly where this course can, can get you obviously like, like we've mentioned a couple of times, the changes they made this year, absolutely changed the co- scoring of this event, made it a much more competitive event. In my opinion, very hard to run away from the field because the par fives, yes, the fourth hole or excuse me, fifth hole. Easiest on the course. I mean, I, I think I reached it in two. However, there's a penalty hazard to the right, um, penalty hazard long. So there's trouble on it. Ninth hole plays into the wind and it's uphill. Uh, and then you go into the back nine, 15th, pretty easy hole. But then 18 is a 700 yarder. So it's these par fives are, are no walk in the park. Uh, and that's probably why we saw the scoring uh, become so much better uh, last year. So a couple of other uh, notes, 93 bunkers, no actual water hazards. They call them ravines here, but they're really water hazards, but they don't label them as such. 
uh, but there are plenty on the course. It is Bermuda grass throughout. If you're into the grass type, it's Tiff Eagle, Bermuda on the greens, and Champion Bermuda pretty much everywhere else. Just a, just a point. I know some people like that. Some people don't. Uh, I'm not too much of a fan of looking into that stuff, but uh, I think that pretty much covers everything I wanted to on the golf course. Like I said, the first three holes, they yielded only like 20 birdies total last year. So if you can get off to a fast start, definitely picking up strokes. Um, but do you think, uh, before we move on, you think that driving distance ends up playing more into the effect? Or do you think that the par fives, the way they set up, kind of negate any distance factor? How do you how are you viewing that this week before we get into the players? Yeah, I mean, uh, the the last few, I mean, even before the changes, like guys were gaining strokes off the tee, the winners here specifically. But I don't know how much of it was necessarily just pure distance. You do look at the guys who, who've kind of in contention last year, Xander, JT, you know, um, DJ's in it every year, basically. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Those guys are in it every year. I I do think distance is is maybe like, I mean, distance is always a a good thing, right? Like especially when you're, you're obviously hitting fairways. So I don't. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. No, I, I haven't really decided about how, how to weight it. I think with the changes, you know, just looking and, and trying to remember back from last year and stuff, what we saw. I mean, I... I would assume that the change is probably going to bring make distance a little bit bigger of a factor over time. I know guys like Steve Stricker won this in the past, um, shorter hitters like Reed's not really a big hitter either. Right. So, you know, it, it's an open venue with wind. I don't necessarily think you have to have a huge distance, but all things considered, like, yeah, it is something that um, I think now with the changes more. So you'll probably see play out a little bit more over time with, uh, with guys, uh, you know, with, with the bigger, the bigger distance off the tee probably uh, dominate a little bit more. Yeah. And and what I can tell you, a lot of people have asked, is there any wind projected? Cause this course is protected. It's right on the coast, obviously. So it is protected by wind, but it doesn't look like it's early. Of course, uh, weather can change on a dime, but it's early. It looks like mild all days. It looks like, honestly, it looks like absolutely perfect condition, 75 sunny every single day, no rain expected little wind. So it'll be great scoring conditions in that regard. Um, all right, let's uh, go into our first clicks. But before we do, we got a little bit of a giveaway to talk about. This is on the NBA season. Let me tell you, NBA has uh, been a little crazy this year. So all the information with all the blowouts and stuff. So all the information we can get is what we want. So check out the pinned tweet on awesome underscore com, our Twitter handle, of course, to enter our NBA giveaway to win a year's worth of awesome plus NBA. Just follow the instructions on the tweet and predict whether or not we've got two stars going on tonight. It looks like Steph Curry and Darren Fox. Looks like they're squaring off tonight. Curry coming off a 62-point game. What do you think about that, Jeff? Do you think he's going to do it again? <laughs> I mean, it, it, it looks like it could be that kind of season for Steph, right? I mean, just uh, just, just kind of, you know, making his way, rampaging through the NBA after everyone was kind of making fun of the the, the Warriors after uh, after the in the offseason. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I kind of buy into it, man. I mean, Steph is uh, 
Steph is a really good player, obviously. So yeah, I, I could see it. I, I, like I said, I, I think it's going to be an all year story in the NBA with Steph. So yeah. So if you're trying to go against the grain, you can pick Darren Fox and then maybe you'll be one of those uh, one random winner to win that year's worth of Mossimo plus NBA. So go ahead and check that out. Of course, on our Twitter handle. So now let's talk about our first clicks for the tournament had put this out on Twitter this morning, wondering what people thought were some great values. The name that came up the most was Bryson at 12 to one, Jeff. I was kind of surprised about that. And number two, which this one I agree with, I know he's only played here once in the last couple of years, but at 50 to one in a 42 man event, Adam Scott, question mark. I don't mind it. Um, yeah, it's pretty big odds for Adam Scott. I know he, he kind of popped up. I'm like, I know he hasn't played much, but um, these are this is big odds, man. I mean, th- right. this is a dude who's obviously played in this event before. Um, you know, just from a, like a, a form perspective, I mean, it, it's it can be hard to get a gauge on Scott just because of the lack of the lack of play, obviously. But it's not like we were seeing bad golf from Adam Scott, right? He's got the kind of all around game you like. Pretty consistent putting to end the year. His short is is around the green game. It's fine. I would put nobody off Adam Scott at that price. Um, you know, um, I, if, if I had to pick one guy to win, I'm not going to pick Adam Scott, but like 55 to one, he's he's double the odds of Berger and Harris English. Like, I like those guys, but this is Adam Scott we're talking about, man. Like, I don't know if he should ever be double the odds of those guys. So, yeah, man, I, I think from a long shot perspective, that is 100% uh, one of my favorite bets there. Another name that I clicked uh, as it was uh, another good performance for him last year. One of only three or four guys that uh, scored over a hundred points. He's coming in at 18 to one, which is almost double what Xander Schauffele is coming in at. And I have, I have these guys who were writer, uh, excuse me, president's cup teammates and playing mates, uh, Patrick Cantlay. I think their games are very comparable in seeing Schauffele at almost, you know, half the price. I'll click can't lay there every single time. Uh, like, again, I think they're much more comparable than what the odds are giving them. And then the next one is the hottest golfer on the planet is Victor Hovland at 20 to one. I know it's his first time coming out here, but this guy, this guy is on fire right now. He went over to Dubai the week after winning on the PGA tour came in third. So obviously this guy's got it going on. Um, so Victor Hovland, 20 to one, can't lay 18 to one. Those would be my first two clicks. Deschambeau at 1151, and it doesn't excite me too much. I don't know how much his his, uh, strength or his distance will help him here at Kapalua. I think it'll be a bit mitigated. Um, So Cantlay, Hovland are my first two clicks, Uh, along with Adam Scott on a top 10. I think that that number on Adam Scott top 10 uh, is a a really good value. Yeah, what was the number on on his top 10? Three to one. Three to one, yeah. No, I I really like that. I mean, look, like I said, Adam Scott stuck out to me. Um, so I, I'm probably, I'm, I might have to take a piece of that now that we've talked about it. It just, it just kind of makes too much sense at that price. I mean, there's some guys, like I said, under him that I, I, I like too, but man, that is a big price. So I am, I'm 100% with you on Cantlay here. Um, double the odds of Shoffley. Look, Cantlay was T4 here last year. He didn't even play that good. He wasn't even playing good at the time. He gained six strokes on his approaches. Um, the only reason he, he didn't wasn't in there is because he had some wonky drives towards the end, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, um, I think he I think he might have put himself out of bounds or something on a hole. So, um, you know, they keep played fine here. The, the setup is good for for Patrick Cantlay. Uh, we just saw him win like another kind of low scoring um, uh, a limited field event. He's coming in with confidence in his putter around the green. And um, here's an interesting stat for people too for winners of this event. 
Each of the past five winners have won either a playoff event or a fall series event. So they've all won in September, okay. October, November, or December of the previous year. Cantley just won in, in October, we know, a fall series event. So he definitely falls in that category. He's played here before. He's T4 here on his debut. And like, I, there's no reason he should be double of, of Shoffley. I'm definitely taking him as my main outright pick in that category. Um, I'm going to take Sanjay M here too at 40 to 1. I, you know, I, I think M is of the category where he should probably be lower odds than Adam Scott right now. I don't think he should be higher odds than Berger and, and English, though. It, it, I think he should be closer to Hovland than those guys. So I know it's his first time playing the course, and experience has been a bit of a factor here. But, like, let's not wait it too much here. This is a dude who just finished T2 and his debut at Augusta. Like, these are big odds for Sun JM. You're not going to see these kind of odds on Sun JM most years, uh, most events this year, if, if ever again. So I, I will be down with uh, Sun at 40 to 1, too. Yeah. Um, I, I... I was just looking for Matt Wolf, but I guess actually he didn't qualify. He didn't, he didn't win, and he didn't make the Tour Championship. I know. I, I can't. I have, to, I have to remind myself like three times yeah. that Matt Wolf isn't in this tournament. Um, it is kind of weird because he had such a good year, but I guess he didn't. I guess he didn't make it. I mean, his, right? I guess the, the second place, the second place at the U.S. Open, which is most standout, doesn't count for exactly. for the Tour Championship. So. Yeah, I keep I just searched for his name and I keep getting the click click like you know hey we can't find what you're looking for so I thought yeah. that was interesting. Um, yeah, I, I think that pretty much covers uh, the first part. Um, my premonition, I'm not calling it uh, anything else other than that. My premonition after Victor Hovland won Mayakoba was there's no way that Tony Finau doesn't win the Tournament of Champions. It's too <laughs> ironic for a guy that never wins after a guy that just won the Puerto Rico Open. For Tony Finau not to win. So yeah. a 22 to 1, not really betting it. But a good segue into DraftKings at 8,900, I actually think is a really good spot to start your lineup off with. And I know I might be yeah. skipping our, our sixth topic here of top values, but we did cover some. And if we huh. see any others, we'll mention. Well, let's just go right into it because I brought up Tony Finau in 8,900. His one time here, he came in seventh. Doesn't this seem like the course for Tony Finau? It certainly doesn't seem terrible or anything. He's got wide open fairways. Um, you know, obviously can is going to be able to pound it out there. If he just uh, if he just just miss you know doesn't throw it out of bounds in a couple spots. I mean, he's going to be uh, have himself a pretty big advantage over the field. Uh, he's improved his short game a little bit as well. With him, it's it's just can he sink enough putts to keep up with these guys like Xander and uh, you know uh, JT. So I don't mind it. I certainly don't mind it from a DFS uh, a DFS perspective. I'm I'm not going to bet Tony Finau plus 2,000. I'm probably never going to bet him at that price again, although I say that, and I probably always do. I'm sure I will at once this year. I'm not going to do it this week, though. But, um, yeah, it, it's it's fine. I mean, it, it could be the spot. I, I like him in DFS, though. Um, 8,900, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you could pair him and Hideki, and, and you know, you're off to the races. You know, you can call it a day and start a party there. But, um, yeah, I, Finau is what he is. I mean, I, I will say this because you, you brought it up. It will be funny if like someone like Finau wins or Abraham Answer wins the Tournament of Champions, especially Answer because he hasn't even won a PGA event before. At least Finau's got to win. Yeah. Answer winning the Tournament of Champions as his first PGA Tour event would be hilarious. Awesome. Would be I don't think he's going to win, but um, it would just be fun. I just wanted to mention that. But yeah, Tony Finau, 8,900, he's, he's definitely up there. Between him and Hideki, who would you take? I... I I think for DFS, I, 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 I don't really know. I don't, I don't have a hot take. I, I probably lean Hideki because of the course history, but 
I don't know if that's necessarily like the correct take. I, I think those two guys are really, really close this week. And they're both, like I said, both great anchors. Totally agree. Uh, before, before we move on to my next statement, I wanted to mention that when they first uh, put out the salaries, they had listed Dustin Johnson, uh, Michael Thompson, Nick Taylor, and Brian Gay as out. That was only because their last tournament that they were printed to play and they withdrew from. They are not actually out there in the field. They have been their O has been removed. Now they're all all scheduled to be in the event. Just want to make that clear to people. I know. Listen, it's gotten it's gotten confusing for some listeners, for some players. You know, my dad got confused on it one week, but it is what it is. Anyways, just want to bring that up quickly. Now back to my point. Um, I think pricing they nailed it this week. When I first saw Dustin Johnson at eleven thousand. I was like, oh, this is going to be an easy week. And then when I see you got Cantley, Reed, Simpson, Hovland, Shawfly all above 9,000, it's actually a really strong pricing. You can't get any three guys in you want this week. Mm-hmm. So I think DK actually nailed it with only 42 guys in the field. Yeah, I, that, that was kind of my reaction as well, too. At first, too, like, why is Dustin Johnson over only 11K? But then when you look at it compared to, you know, trying to stack them with JT, like it really isn't going to work out very well. Uh, it's going to be really hard. Like you're going to be taking a guy like Streb or something like that, which maybe works out. I mean, look, it, it is a limited field event. Streb obviously won his last time out. It's not like he's playing bad. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's, it, the, the pricing is, is, is definitely interesting. You got Cantley and Reed priced up up there. So there, you know, there's no stick out value play where it's like, oh yeah, I can play, you know, like Shoffley is not like 8,900 or something where you can just stick him in. I mean, Finau and, and Matsuyama are almost kind of values like that, but they're they're still priced up a little bit. And, you know, those guys aren't quite at the maybe class of player, the, the, the other guys I mentioned. So, yeah, I agree. Pricing is actually pretty good for, for a limited field event. I, 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 I'm down with it. So I want to mention, well, I just saw Joaquin Neiman, uh, a, a great mention by our chat. He came in a tie for fifth last year. Seems like a good spot to start the event. This course actually would seem like it fits his game. Doesn't matter if there's wind or not, he hits the ball so low. I will say there was more wind last year on at least two of the days. We got 20 plus, uh, 20 plus mile an hour gust, which is also probably a reason why we got the minus 12 winner and not say minus 16 winner, which I kind of expect, um, especially this year with the weather looking to be so good. I suspect we'll probably get more towards the 16 under uh, realm. Does that mean I don't like Neiman? No, I think Neiman is a, is a good price. Like I said, I think DraftKings nailed the pricing. Um, although Kevin Stadler, sorry, Charlie, is not in the field here this week. <laughs> yeah, we're getting some amazing chat comments right now. Kevin Stadler's driver is looking fresh and clean. I love this kind of info. You know, see, chat all, on fire here, but uh, yeah, no, I agree with the Neiman call. He, he, you know, like I said, I mean, you've got Cam Smith up there who's on fire, Scotty Scheffler at 8,500. Neiman is right in with those guys. I mean, I, I don't think you can necessarily go out there and say, oh, one guy is completely mispriced. Maybe him is Sungjae, you know, because I, like I said before, I kind of feel like he should be up priced up there with English, but he's not so overtly underpriced that you can just say he's a must play. I think he's a very good play at that price, but um yeah, it's 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 a really interesting pricing week, and I think part of it is these guys are just so close in talent too and skill. Um, it, it's a tough week. It's going to be fun making lineups. I mean, you can go and see. And I never recommend doing this, but people ask me all the time. On a given week, could you just start at the eighty three thirty three number and click down six times and have a competitive lineup? Most weeks, I'd say no. You couldn't do it. DraftKings pricing is not that good normally, and you're going to get some guys that you don't want in there. This week, 
If you do it, you're going to end up with like Scotty Scheffler, Cam Smith, Joaquin Neiman, Dan Berger, Sung J.M., Abraham Answer. I mean, Jeff, that sounds pretty good. I mean, I'm, again, I'm not recommending just going out and entering those six guys, but that's how you know that DraftKings gets the pricing, at least in my opinion, when, you know, you can basically do that and probably have a competitive lineup. Yeah, totally. Uh, it's, <laughs> yeah, you, you can actually, right? Just, uh, I mean, you could start with Morikawa, even like major winner. I mean, we yep. call him Morikawa, right? So it sounds pretty good. And um, obviously, yeah, you, you know, you'd be bypassing all the studs at the top, but um who knows, yeah. man? And- yeah, maybe this is a good re- good spot to bring up the fact that last year, the winning lineup consisted of a guy at 11,000, two more guys above 9,500, and three guys below 6,500. That is a good point. And I remember that, you know, being a very Stars and Scrubs lineup, right? So, um, again, it, it's it's going to be tempting, and I'm sure a lot of people make lineups like that, and I'll, I'll probably even have a couple, but... Well. Yeah, it you know th- these elite guys have dominated here, man. Like Shoffley, Thomas, DJ. I mean, they even Reed you could throw in there, and, and you got a guy like Cantley who was fourth on his on his first time. I'm sure, Rom is probably going to pop at this event some point in his career, right? So you will. One of you know you're probably going to need at least one of those guys. Uh, I know it's it's tempting to just smash the the middle section there, but yeah, I agree completely. Um, you know, we'll, we'll probably end up with a, maybe not that drastic scrubs and scrubs, but something similar for sure. Definitely. I, I think it, it leads it. Now let, let's go below 8,000. And I talked to you about, okay, do we want driving distance? Does it matter to you or not? You said it probably does. So right off the bat, right below seven, uh, 8,000, we've got the polar opposites. We've got Cam Champ at 7,900 who, you know, can drive it as far as Kevin Kisner can with his six iron probably. <laughs> Two polar opposite players yeah. both could end up being good plays this week. But if you had to pick one and you had the money for both, who are you leaning this week? Cam Champ scored about 70-ish points here last year in his first try. So I, it's almost an auto-click to Cam Champ for me because he's got that element that Kevin Kisner doesn't have, which is immense length off the tee. Yeah, I – going to be champ like all the time for me in this spot, you know, maybe unless they're playing like the RBC heritage, right. Um, Which champ probably isn't even going to play. Right. So yeah, absolutely. It's champ, um, you know, 19th at Augusta, you know, a similar style venue in the fact that you got an undulating course, you got big greens, you got big fairways. That's good for champ, man. And I I think the, the course toughening up and lengthening a little bit, like I said, it's going to be more of a disadvantage to guys like Kisner who used to be able to just come in here throw it out 280 and then just, you know, have a short and, and, yeah. and win and, or compete with their putter. I just don't think it's long-term. You're necessarily going to see as many guys like that compete. I'm sure Kisner still can compete. Don't get me wrong here. It's not, this course isn't that, that tough, but I, it's definitely a little bit tougher. And yeah, look, Champ is just such a good par five slash birdie producer at this point that we talked about him a lot towards the end of last year too, Jason, when he was cheap. It's a really good DFS play. Um, it's it's probably almost always going to be champ uh, in that spot for me. I agree. Uh, it's going to be tough for me to come off of Cameron Champ at a no cut event uh, at yeah, a course. The only leader. thing I would worry about Cam Champ here is his short game is still his his Achilles heel. He hasn't quite cleaned that up to the level of guys like Cantley. When he does, he's going to be he's going to be up there, folks. Don't get me wrong, but um, that that could hold him back a little bit. Although, like I said, he's got such good eagle and birdie potential that might not even matter. It may not. Uh, two guys that pricing did not matter for last year as they were in the winning lineup. Priced at 6500 and 6400 last year. 
versus 7,500 and 6,900 this year. It's Sebastian Munoz and Lanto Griffin, two guys that we know can light up a scorecard. Are these guys you want to build around again, given the fact that they were in the winning lineup last year, scored a lot of points, and seem to be playing very similarly? Yeah, Munoz is a guy who gets a lot of birdies. He can get it out there a little bit, too. Like, he's pretty solid off the tee. Um, Definitely. I wish if Munoz was like 7,200, he would be an absolute lock for me. I will say this. I do like Carlos Ortiz at 7,100 too. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, Lanto is, is $600 cheaper than Munoz, right? Cause I, I agree. I think Munoz Lanto, I don't think there should be a $600 difference between those two. So Munoz is probably priced up a little bit. Not that I dislike him or anything like that, but if you can give me like Ortiz and Munoz or Ortiz and Lanto versus Munoz and Lanto, I'll take the the first the the first one just to save the um, save the salary because I think I think Ortiz is playing really well. His approach game is good. His putting was really good towards the end of last year. He's playing lots too, so he should be coming in here with some momentum. So I would say um, for me, um, you know, Ortiz is should be kind of involved in that that threesome, and then uh, I would say he's just a slightly better value than Munoz. So. Yeah, I agree. And I'm sorry, Munoz was 7,100 last year, not 6,400 I, I, or 6,500. I apologize. Griffin was the right price at 6,500. So, you know, I, it's a, it's our first show. So give me a little break here. You know, give me a like for 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 at least correcting my wrong. And we got to boost it up. We've got a, about 90-ish people watching, 30 likes. Let's boost that up a little bit. And don't, of course, forget to subscribe so that when Jeff and I are coming live, you get notified. And, of course, uh, Jeff and I both produce some uh, some video content uh, that we put up here on YouTube weekly. So uh, be sure to check that out and you'll get notified when that comes up. Let's talk about a few other guys though. Who's going to be the Tyler Duncan of this year, Jeff? He's the guy 6,400. He was the 6,400 price in, in the winning lineup last year. Let's let me, let me just give you his stat line just so you can, he, he had uh, 68 and a half points with 13 birdies and two three plus birdie streaks. He finished in 19th. So not that good. 19th out of like 32, but who's going to be that guy that, you know, scores 70 points below 6,500 and probably is in the winning lineup? <laughs> um, let's see. So, yeah, the chat, I think someone threw a Wierenski in the chat. Richie, yeah. Him and, him and Strab are both interesting. Um, I'm not going to say either of those guys. I'm going to say it's Nick Taylor. I'm going to say it's Nick Taylor. I don't really have a, a strong take of as to why. Um, I do think that he's, he's, you know, he's 29th at, at Augusta, you know, he didn't, didn't play terribly at RSM, even though he, he missed the cut. Um, I think he's just, uh, you know, a player who, who will come in here. He's, he's strong in a lot of facets and, uh, and start well. So again, don't really have a strong take. I think T to green, you know, you look at those guys, he might be the most consistent of them too. So maybe that's uh kind of a feather in his cap, but I feel like the other players are kind of just hoping for a good week with the putter or something. I think Taylor at least gives you a little bit of uh, you know, a little bit of solidity with, uh, with like the TD green. So I'm going to say Nick Taylor, but again, um, this is like a, you know, spin in the roulette wheel for me with these like, you know, six, seven players. And it's funny because that's kind of what you have to do in, in this realm to win. Now, we know a guy like Andrew Landry can absolutely light it up. He came 22nd here a couple of years ago when he tried to play it. Uh, looks like Ryan Palmer, he he came in 17th last year, but he's not that cheap. I don't know. Andrew Landry seems interesting to me. Again, I, I think we're really throwing roulette wheel, but if you're building out lineups and 
one of these guys scores 70 points, like I said, they're likely going to be in the winning lineup, even if they come in 24th and a guy like, you know, say Adam Scott, who we've talked about, comes in 15th. The guy that's 6,300 or below scoring 70 points is going to end up being much more valuable than Adam Scott. So, again, picking the right guy to do that. You know, maybe Brian Gay gets it done. I don't know that I'll be putting my eggs in that basket, to be honest with you. If I had to pick one down here, um, probably be Andrew Landry because he's seen the course and he's played well recently. Like you said, um, I believe he missed the cut at Augusta, then came back the next week and was in the tournament uh, at, uh, where was it, the RSM Classic. He was at least involved. So I think Andrew Landry might be my pick down here. Okay, so the section that we haven't talked about, we've got a couple of minutes left. Is that like, call it 67, the Kevin Na range, all the way up to the Mark Leishman range. We, all we covered in here was Carlos Ortiz and a little bit of Lanto Griffin. So let's start with Mark Leishman, guy that has played well the two times he's come here, but his form is all over the place. I mean, caught at Mayakoba, looked terrible, looked <laughs> terrible at the Zozo, looked terrible at Shadow Creek, terrible at the U.S. Open. I mean, it, it's pretty much terrible except for the one eagle that he put, put in at Augusta that gave him 13th. Yeah, it's that that thirteenth at Augusta. I think is going to fool a lot of people. Yep. Um, I love Mark Leishman. Um, for a no cut event, you know, when you have other options and guys you can go to cheaper, like we already mentioned with Lanto and and uh, Ortiz, guys we know we're playing pretty consistently. Guys, I like to even just a, a guy who can get hot with his putter, like Kevin Nye, Ryan Palmer too. I mean, he's coming off a really good year. I just, uh, I, I can't do it with Mark Leishman. I know he's, he's got the ball flight. He's played well here before. I just think for with Mark Leishman, what you got to do this year, you just got to wait, man. Just just wait. wait. Wait till you see something from him. I know some people thought they saw something from at Augusta, but Jason's right. It was kind of like, he made one eagle and then look what he did to Michael. But like, he just, he went, it's, it's just disaster again. So um, I'd rather try and get up to a guy like Sergio or something like that. Who Again, at least we know he's just going to dominate off the tee and probably have a really good week with his irons probably miss a bunch of putts, but at least he's not going to get you like, you know, T 41 out of, in a field of T and of 42. Right. Um, so yeah, for me, I, I think Leishman, there's just, there's just too many other solid plays under him, just under him that, uh, that I kind of like, I think it, it tails off a little bit once you get under like 6,900 or something, but um, there's that low seven K range. I, I would rather go to than Leishman. Of injured toe caused Brendan Todd to, Played terrible golf at Zozo, followed by two missed cuts at Bermuda in the Masters. Then must maybe a little R and R got him back at the RSM Classic, came in 37th, and then all of a sudden he was starting to make putts again in Mayakoba. He came in eighth. So if this guy gets his putter going, mm-hmm. to me, he's the Jordan Spieth of this field if he can get his putter going. He can make it from anywhere. So does that mean? We give him a couple of looks because of how good a putter he is, or is this course just not a Brendan Todd type of place? No, no, I I, I do think uh, you, you can give him a look. Um, I think at that price, it's okay. You know, again, you've got Kisner and him, pretty similar style players. I'll take Todd right. at seventy two hundred over Kisner for seventy eight hundred, right? Yep. Six hundred dollar difference. Uh, I don't think there's much that much difference between Ortiz and Todd. I know I said I liked Ortiz, and I do. I'd probably prefer him slightly over Todd. I think he's a little bit better upside, but. Look, um, you know, Todd is more volatile player. He can get, but if he gets hot with his putter, he can absolutely compete. He showed he, he showed he can compete at longer courses last year. He was in contention at the PGA. He was, you know, couple first couple round leader, right? So, yeah, absolutely. I think Brandon Todd at this price is in play. Um, 
I'd probably rank him just behind Ortiz, but uh, still, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think he's better value than the guy. Like, I, I'd rather play him than Leishman or Kisner this week. So, now the best putter in the field, Indeed. however, yeah, the, the best putter in the field, however, is n- not Brendan Todd. It is a Canadian, and it is McKenzie. Oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> this guy is lighting it up. So at sixty eight hundred, I would I would argue with you and say. There's no way I'm paying 7,800 for Kisner when I can get Hughes at 6,800. And I'm basically rostering relatively similar type of players, both short off the tee, both superb around the green and on the green. And this is, this is a slightly vital point too. So, and this is my take on Hughes and Nah. Cause at first I was like, well, Kevin Nah, great putter, you know, 6,700 is great upside there. I would rather play Hughes. And here's why, obviously Nah, you have the, the withdrawal factor, but this is a big course. Like you, sure. you know, Jace, you've been there, you played it. You got, there's lots of hills, right? It's windy. It's humid. Take the younger guy, man. These are two <laughs> very similar players at this point. Just take the younger Canadian, the guy who doesn't have back issues. So that's my take on Hughes. And he's Nala. not going to go zip lining on Wednesday night to hurt his neck withdraw <laughs> the next day. Oh, yeah. I will take Mackenzie Hughes over Kevin Na all yeah. the time. Well, that's, I agree, hundred percent. Like though uh, it's it's his second time being here. You know, he won the RSM Classic a couple of years ago. Gets in because he had a great year. Got to the Tour Championship, so he's here. So I think below seven thousand, the first guy I'm probably clicking is Hughes. I love his ability to obviously light it up with putter. Lanto Griffin is another guy that I could pair right up with Hughes. Obviously, came here last year, played pretty good, was in that winning lineup. So I really don't mind those two guys under six K. But okay, so I think that's going to do it uh, for us. I'll, I'll, as I do always at the end of the show, I have you pick a winner. Uh, I know it's early on in the week, but I can't imagine you're going to say uh, the six and a half, Mr. Party with Paulina Dustin Johnson is your winner. I think maybe he's going to enjoy Maui or is he going to win? No, I'm not going to take Dustin Johnson. I mean, look, it won't shock me if Dustin Johnson wins because he wins everything these days. But no, I agree. He does. Uh, he's probably, you know, just going to take the first couple months easy here, gear himself up for his title defense at Augusta. I'm going to go with, uh, I guess maybe he's like the show's guy now because I keep picking him as much as he. Yeah, I'm going to go with Cantlay, man. I mean, it was my Our first guy. thought. I, I think the odds are too bad. I think I think Cantlay is coming in with some renewed confidence. I think this could be his year. I think starting it off with a win here would be uh, a good way to potentially kick off a major win in 2021 too. So let's go Cantlay for me. I love the call. Um, my first thought uh, was the defending champion of the event. Uh, we did just see him very briefly at the father-son thing. We know that he can absolutely light it up as Justin Thomas. So if I had to say my first two guys in the lineup are the two guys we just mentioned, JT, Patrick Cantlay. Um, I think that you're going to get lower ownership on JT because Rom, DeChambeau, Shoffley are all yep. below him. Yep. Um, and I think similarly with Cantlay, you'll get mid ownership because you got Simpson, Hovland, Matsuyama, Fino right below him. So Shoffley right um, above him, right above exactly. And, yep. I mean, look, Shoffley's probably not a bad play, but yeah, no, not at all, not at all. <laughs> These are just our two guys uh, that we're going to be rolling with, and, and, and maybe Jeff might not even roll with uh, JT in his lineups. But nonetheless, we've got a great week in front of us. Primetime coverage, it really is. Set aside some time on Thursday, Friday to check out uh, the course and the coverage. It, it really is uh, a nice time, depending, no matter where you are, even me in Florida, I really enjoy watching it, even though it's maybe not as hot. And then we're back. We get to go fly, take a little puddle jumper over to Oahu and the Sony Open at Wailea. That'll be a first full field event, 132 players. So Jeff, until next week, 
why don't you just leave our fans today with the biggest upset of the NFL wildcard weekend. I know it's a little different for a golf show, but okay. while, we're, while we're watching wildcard weekend, gearing up, who's going to be our big upset here? I know you're an NFL guy. Oh, too. no, I, I got one too. Yes. The Bears. The Bears, the Bears. Jason. You're going to take down the Saints. Yes. My tie, Mitch Trubisky time. Fits in perfectly with the Hawaii narrative. It, it really does. Let's get Drew Brees riding into the sunset. Be his last game possibly ever. Jordan Klein behind the glass. He liked that one. Yeah, I you know he didn't. He shook his head. He's like this idiot. End <laughs> <Friends> the <of> show. <laughs> well, thanks everybody for joining again. Don't forget to like and subscribe on your way out to make sure we know you like this uh, information. Of course, we'll be back for the Sony Open next week. Thanks everybody. And oh, well, actually, one last note before I let you go. We got the DFS strategy show coming up on Tuesday tomorrow, normal time, two thirty. But a special this week. Ben Raza and I are gonna do a true. Live before lock on Thursday. Once we get tea times, we'll let you guys know the time. It'll be right around 2 o'clock, leading you right up to the 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time lock. That's my guess. I think it's going to be around 3 or 2. We'll keep you know, uh, updated. But one of our first ever true live before lock off shows. So, Jeff, I'm excited uh, about that. But until next week, everybody, thanks for joining. And we will see you on the other side. Cheers. Cheers.